All right, we need to get going here. So we got a ways to go. Been thinking about this and pondering it around for weeks now, and it's just one of these deals. It's hard to present in the right way. It's one of these real controversial things. It shouldn't be controversial at all. It's not controversial in my mind. If it's controversial in yours, you're going to be mighty uncomfortable tonight. Uh, I'm going to preach on the sin of sodomy. There, that's where we're at. Don't don't <coughs> get scared. Just uh, listen to the truth of God. Romans 1, 26 and 27. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet, which they deserved. That's what that means. They reap what they sow. They, they get what they deserve. The road to hell. Now, let me just real quick. We're going to do this again. The road to hell and destruction is laid out plain in Romans 1. When we look at the whole picture presented here, we can see that, that men start out with a knowledge of God, but they reject God and turn away from Him. And you must believe that. You know, you, this is not the doctrine that most believe now. They don't believe that. Most believe we're born on the road to hell, like the Catholics do. They believe that babies go to hell if they die, unless the church baptizes them with their holy water. And I'm not mocking, I'm not being facetious, I'm telling you exactly what they believe. They believe that the water of baptism washes away the original sin. So they believe that babies are born corrupt and guilty, of Adam's sin, and so do Baptists. But they they try to play both sides by saying that they don't believe babies go to hell when they die because they're not accountable. Show me it in the Bible. Show that to me in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. What you'll find in your Bible is what I just said to you. When we look at this whole picture, we find that men start out with a knowledge of God. A knowledge of God. And that's the first part of Romans 1. The first part of this, uh, these verses here tells us that. Most believe we're born on the road to hell, that we're born sinners, and that we're born enemies of God by nature. Somehow it's in our flesh. It's in our DNA. Somehow it's a physical thing. Well, that's not what I believe. I don't believe that. And that's where... I differ with most everybody else. I'm not the first one that ever believed this. I won't be the last one. I'm certainly not the only one either. But it is, I do not believe sin is a thing that is physical. If it is, they can fix it someday without God. Well, while they're dissecting all the DNA and, and all of that, they can figure out that gene that causes sin and they can fix all this problem with the universe. But that's not going to happen because that's not where sin is. It comes from the heart of man. It is a moral issue and not a physical issue. 
It's a moral issue that's manifested physically because that's all we got is a physical body to live and experience this world. We're not spirits floating around. We're, we've got a physical body. And we're, we're a prisoner in it until, we're, until death separates us from our body. You're not getting out. Right, now, to continue to believe this view of man's condition is to ignore much of what the Bible has to say about it. Psalm 14, 3. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. That's, there's none that doeth good, no, not one. So they, they're gone aside from where? They've become filthy from what? So they were clean and they were in the right place, but they left it and went away. They were clean, but now they're filthy. Right. Ecclesiastes 7.29 Lo, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. Isaiah 44, verse 22 I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Right. You don't return to some place you, you weren't before. Isaiah 53, 6, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Prophecy of Christ. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, and that's not all. Romans 3, 12, They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. There it is again. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Now, how are you going to ignore all that? How are you going to ignore all that and then tell me that you're born estranged from God? I don't believe a word of it. And, I, and, and it's a key thing. It's the, it's the thing that has opened the Bible to my understanding more than anything else that I ever learned in my life when I finally understood this and I threw out all that garbage that I had been taught and learned and heard over and over. I mean, it was just like heaven opened in my understanding. The rest of the Word of God begins to make sense and to fit together. And you get a deeper, better, clearer understanding of the Gospel. It's like I've said before. It was like it was in black and white and now it's in color. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the difference. Yes, sir. So this road to death and hell starts when a person turns from God. That's when it starts. Right. So when is that? Well, there's no certain age. There's no certain point that anybody can put their finger on and say this is the age. You know, different religions have tried that. 12, 13 years old. They mark a, an age where they say this happens. But... I'll tell you when it happens is when you consciously make your choice. I don't care where you grow up, what kind of life, culture, family, situation you grow up in. There's a point in your life where you just say, no, I'm not going that way with God. I'm not going to have it. I'm going to go this way. So first, he questions the truth of God's word. This is how it happens. That's the way it started in the garden. Then he begins to think on his own without the authority of God's word as the governor of his thoughts. Then he begins to live in the realm of vain imaginations with the help and influence of Satan 
unclean spirits, and the lost and sinful world around him. This is how it happens. When he leaves God out of his life, there ceases to be any difference between what is clean and unclean for him and what's holy and what's profane. There's no difference anymore. All the boundaries are gone and all is the same. And there are just less and less differences he sees in everything. Yeah. Morally, he sees no north, no south, no east, no west, no up, no down, no good, no bad. Morals are a thing that do not matter. It's a matter of opinion. His heart goes dark and he's hopelessly lost with no direction and no hope for the future and all becomes confusion and hopelessness just like when you're lost in the woods or in a city somewhere where you don't have any idea where you're at or how to get out of here or to get where you're going. You've lost all your bearings. Every way mark, every way of discerning and uh, calculating your, where you're at is gone. You've removed them. So, he looks for answers in nature like we talked about last week and in religion without God. But all that only estranges him more from God. People never stop looking for answers. But when you turn away from God... You just start looking everywhere, like I said last week. According to our scripture here, continued resistance to God when you're in that state results in God giving you up to uncleanness through the lust of your own heart to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, the scripture says. So that's how they got there. That's how you get to this point. Uncleanness is brought about by a spirit that influences the mind and inflames the lust of the heart. You need to think about that. An unclean spirit. Unclean spirits are mentioned 21 times in the New Testament. One time in the Old Testament. How about that? Unclean spirits persuade people to ignore the moral boundaries prescribed by God's law and their own conscience. That's what an unclean spirit does. That's why they were so common in the New Testament. That's why that everywhere Jesus or the disciples encountered somebody that was out of their mind crazy or just plain evil, it was an unclean spirit that had possessed them and took them, taken them there. Other people become things or objects that are there for their own pleasure. The worth of other people gets to be estimated by the attractiveness of their body. Now that's where the unclean spirit takes a person who've abandoned God, who've turned to their own vain imaginations, who won't think about anything. Their thoughts are not governed by God or God's law or any consideration of God. They begin to look at other people as things, objects, not people, not souls, not spirits. They ignore the spiritual realm. Right. So, the slide into this bottomless pit of sexual depravity always begins with the objectifying of women. Yep. That's right. Doesn't start with men. No. That's right. They'd have never sold Playboy magazines. That's right. 
without women, or penthouse, or hustler, or any of the rest of them. There wouldn't be no pornography if it wasn't for women. The value and worth of a woman is determined by the shape and attractiveness of her body instead of her natural use yes. or role right. as a woman. Exactly. <coughs> the word use offends women. The word role offends women. Yes, Any kind of a thing, place offends women. In our day, ungodly women... It's always ungodly women who are offended by the fact that God made them for a certain purpose or purposes. So a woman's worth now, and, and it's amazing because the feminists have fought for equality and superiority over men and they harped about objectifying women, but women still. I mean, the way to the top is to be naked and promiscuous. Yes. And to show yourself that way as a woman, you're not going to get nowhere. All this Me Too <coughs> business is a crock. Yes, sir. Yep. All women know that, and they know what they've got to use, and they use it. Yes. For, and their lust for money, fame, and they can and they consider that success or empowerment. Women still use their body and sex for and they call it being empowered. <laughs> it's nothing but prostitution. There's no difference in a prostitute and a woman who will sell her body and soul for money and fame or position. Or anything else. Women start being represented as sex objects with less and less clothes on instead of wives and mothers of children worthy of respect and honor. It's a joke on social media to go back to the 50s and housewives of the 50s and how they had it and how ridiculous. <laughs> and oh, they just laugh and mock and, and steam and fume over the way it was back then. That's dishonoring to a woman in our generation to be a wife, a mother, a housekeeper. That's her natural use. That's her natural use. Role. Purpose. And she changes. See, that's what happens. That's the verse it read. The women changed their natural, the natural use. Change the natural use. Women's, uh, they're honored for their ability to inflame the lust of men by presenting themselves in public as naked as they can get away with. They're honored for that. Who are the most famous, well-known women in the country right now? Yes, sir. The ones that present themselves as naked as they can and get away with it in public all the time. That's their claim to fame. They're honored for that. They get awards for it. They're counted as celebrities. They get paid big money for it. They can get rich for showing their nakedness. They get rich by leaking their sex tapes. 
They're honored for their willingness to be immoral and unclean instead of being honored for their natural, the natural role of a wife and mother. That's worthy of honor. Being, I try, I'm trying my best because I've used words that are strong. They're in the Bible. But I, I, I you know, I, I try to, how are you going to do this without being offensive to somebody? You're not. No. But I don't want to come across as crude and profane myself by describing what we're talking about here. Promiscuity and not purity is the path to popularity in this generation. It is women who first change their natural use, their purpose, their design, or their occupation. It's women who do that. It's not men who change the use of the woman. That's not what your Bible says there. It's the women themselves. It says men leave the natural use of the woman when women have stopped being women. The women change the natural use. That's feminism. That's what it's about. God made man or God made woman for the man, not the man for the woman. First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse eight and nine. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Now that's scripture. You know, I don't know a woman who despises her role as a woman, as a mother, as a wife. I don't know what in the world she's doing sitting in a church pretending to be a Christian. Yes, she don't That's believe right. God. That's right. That's right. She don't believe God about that. She don't believe God about anything else, right. including Christ and His substitute for her sin and all of that. Right. So at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 11 and 12, Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. So how does that fall with you now? The Bible puts them both on equal ground. They can't do without one another. The man needs the woman, and the woman needs the man. There wouldn't be any men without women, but there wouldn't be any women without men either. So why the fight and the struggle and the, and the strife over superiority? Why must one dominate the other to oppression? Because of their sin. That's, it's sin. That's right. it, it, but when a woman changes her natural role, she rejects all of God's order in creation. And that's the bottom line of the feminist movement, to change the role of women in every area of life from what God created them to be. Now, you gotta, I, I don't know anybody that would deny that, even them. That's their mantra. The natural use or the role, natural role of the woman does not exclude them from doing anything else in life. But this is about the attitude of the heart and mind of the woman in this matter. <laughs> Women have done great things. Women are not stupid. Women are not inferior no. mentally or they are physically. She's weaker. The Bible says so. She's the as unto the weaker vessel. That's how the man is supposed to look at his wife and care for her and protect her and watch out for her soul. Yes. She's weaker. The weaker sex. 
Oh, that's fancy now. The weaker set going anyway. Right <laughs> well, ask some of them women who are having to fight men now who say they're women. How's that going for everybody? States are trying to pass laws to forbid it. Now they've dug a pit and they fell into it. And now the women are crying. You know, this ain't fair. Well, why ain't it? I thought you was tough as a man. thought you could defend yourself anywhere. I thought you was do anything a man could do. Well, it's just not true. There's things women do that men cannot do. <laughs> and there's things that men do that women cannot do and are not supposed to do. God didn't mean for them to do it. But why does the woman want to change the natural use? Her natural use, her natural role. Why does she want to change it? Nature teaches us all of this. A woman is made emotionally, physically, and every way to be a mother and a nurturer and a home to keep the home right. and to and to complete her husband. Sure. She's made to have babies. Men are not made to do that. Yep. But what a perverted world we're living in. They put man, men up there saying this man's pregnant. He ain't pregnant. That is a woman you're looking at that's mutilated her body, dishonored her body between themselves. That's what you're looking at. Ain't no such thing. As a man being a woman. Or a woman being a man. There's just male and female. And whatever you were born, that's what you are. No matter what they do to you. I mean, it's down to the, the DNA and the chromosomes. They can't change that. I got an email last night from uh, Bruce Jenner. Yeah, He don't call himself that anymore. Running for governor of California, want me to give him money? As a yeah, as a conservative, going to protect all of our values. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Good night. There's circumstances where a woman is forced to work outside of her role, but that can't be called changing her natural use. That's something that happens. That's something that happens in her mind and spirit and affection when she changes her natural role. You understand what I'm saying? We ain't stupid. We all know that sometimes women have to have to take over. Their husband's sick, can't work, or you know, there's all kinds of things. Dead. He left her. I mean, she got she has to do what she has to do. But it's the attitude of her heart. And I've never known a woman like that that didn't have a right attitude. To. She had a bunch of kids to take care of. She wasn't trying to be a man. She wasn't despite the fact that she was a woman. She just had a bunch of kids she had to take care of. Yes. And she did what she had to do. Yep. And that's a far cry from some woman who's just rebellious against God and all men and everything and wants to just refuses to be what God made her to be. Hates it. That's a different story altogether. If you're a woman that despises being a man's wife, a mother of children, a keeper at home, then this is you the Bible's talking about right here. You need to get that. And if you're, if you, if having a place as a woman or being in submission to a man or being a homemaker is offensive to you, then you're... You're who the Bible's talking about right here. Right there. That's, that's it. That's right. <laughs> it's, 
I mean, I hope I'm making it clear enough. The role of a woman is the most important because when she abandons her post, it leaves no way for a man to fulfill his role. And everything is broken. Everything rides on the woman. Remaining in her natural use. Women become profane. I wish I could find that quote that I read some time ago, but it talked about that, how that when the women become profane and vulgar, all is lost. Yeah, all is lost. It's just one generation to the end. Genesis 2.18, the Bible says this, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. I'll make him a help. I'm going to give him somebody to help him that's going to be just what he needs. So there's no one man can love as Christ loves the church if he has no woman who's there fulfilling that role. Who's he going to love? As Christ loved the church if there's not a woman there. (laughs) There's no one to help him and to complete his life and there's no way for him to have children to provide for and protect and bring up. And now all this happens to people who are given up to uncleanness, remember that, Mm -hmm. through the lust of their own hearts. Mm -hmm. So where it goes from here is unspeakably evil and filthy. Why the sin of sodomy? Romans 1, 26 and 27. For this cause God gave them up in unto vile affections. That means filthy. They loved filth. They, they, vile means low, worthless, vain affections. For even their women. It's even. It didn't say for their women. It said for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, that men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. The feminists have convinced women to stop being women and to abandon their role as wives and mothers and homemakers and start living their lives to try to be equal to or superior to a man in his role. The things rebellious women despise in men are the very measure they use themselves to estimate a woman's worth. Strength. You know about being a strong woman. They they boast in that and they yearn for that and they try try to embody that and impress everybody with their strength. They hate it in a man. They hate a strong man. This generation does. They despise it. Authority. Yes. They despise authority of a man. But they they honor it in women. They strive for it in women. That's the whole thing. When a woman leaves her natural use, she tries to tries to imitate a man. Isn't that funny? Yeah. The one that they despise, they, they gotta imitate. And if they and their measure of success is how near they can get to being like a man. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy well it's insanity 
But God simply, and dominion, that's another one, you know, they want to dominate. But God simply didn't make women equipped for those traits outside the role He created her for. In her domain, she has strength and authority and dominion. Yes. Yes, sir. But outside of that role, it is a mess when she tries to do that. Our entire world is upside down right now. And it's mainly due to that fact right there. I know I'm a male chauvinist and I'm a misogynist and I'm a, oh, I'm just everything. Patriarchal. Yes, patriarchal. But women can be that on their side. It's kind of like racism, you know. You're only a racist if you're white. Blacks, everybody else can be racist to the to rank racist. And it's okay. It's yeah. kind of like that with this, too. Yes. Women can be total sexist, they right. call it. That's right. But men have to wimp down, boy, and keep our mouth shut. If they say anything, exalting men or even, you know, giving, cutting men a little slack. Hmm. Man, they're no. misogynist. They're rah, 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 rah. Feminism has so penetrated the morals and philosophies of this world that statements like what I just made infuriate almost everyone. But the evidence is very clear. Just take a, when you take a look at history, you don't have to look back very far. The world was a much better place when the divine order was still the standard for marriage and family and public business. Yes, sir. Women are prison guards. You know, now if they were guarding women, that'd be one thing, but they're not. No. So guess what's happening in the prisons? Women weren't made by God to be sailors on a ship in the ocean. But now they're out there, so they got to go out with helicopters and snatch them off of their crab carriers and stuff. Pregnant. Every business, everything about our world is being run by women now. You ain't going to get a job in the postal service or any government, any kind of government work. You're going to be one of the very, very few if you're a man and you get a job. It's all women. How's it working? Anybody still waiting on their tax return? Yes. Anybody ever have any trouble getting anything done with the government, with businesses, with anything? Getting bills all fouled up and trying to get them paid and sending them. It's a women's fault. Big part of it is, yeah. The world used to be, those jobs were held by men with a pencil and a piece of paper. And everything ran much smoother. Like it or just spit it out. I don't care. <clears throat> the world was a much better place. We, when we study the words used here, we find the natural use of the woman has to do with sex and reproduction as well as her role as a wife, mother, and homemaker. Now, I studied them, those words, and that's what it means. I mean, it means that also. It doesn't mean that exclusively. <coughs> Women are not there just for that. But that's part of why they're there. That's right. That's right. And it's obvious. 
I don't know what the plumbers are going to do with all this transgender, neutral gender stuff. I don't know how they're going to be able to work. Because yeah. you have male and female fittings. And I don't know how you're going to... When they forbid that, when they cancel that, what are you going to call it? It's something that is basic to nature that everybody understands. Right. Yeah. And they're canceling it. Yeah. They think. Yeah. <laughs> you think they got the authority to cancel it? No. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's going to work for them. I got a verse or two here that I looked up in Psalms. Here, it's uh, it's verses that I've uh, remembered for years. Here, let me see. I wrote them down. I'm getting without doing too much finagling here. There it is. Psalm seven fifteen it says this: He made a pit. And digged it and is fallen into the ditch which he made. <laughs> it's talking about the wicked. These people that turn everything upside down. Psalm 94, 13 says this. Uh, well, let me read 12. Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law, that thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for the wicked. <laughs> so their time is limited. I mean, they're ranting and raging now, but it's a short-lived thing. All of their insanity and craziness and their rebellion against God, they're saying, let us cast his bands asunder, cut his bands asunder and cast his chains from us. They're saying that now. But it ain't going to work for them. That's where God laughs at them, at their foolishness. Women can't be lesbians unless one of them plays the role of the man. Yes. And, the, and the other plays the role of the woman. We always see it that way. Yeah. Ellen DeGeneres has a wife. Well, what does Ellen DeGeneres' wife have? A husband? It's weird, ain't it? I think it's preposterous. It's filthy. It's repulsive. It's an abomination in the sight of God. And, the abom and it's abomination in the sight of everyone who has a right mind and any kind of regard for God at all. Nobody that accepts it is in the right mind or is in a right relationship with God. I promise you that. Well, that really did it, didn't it? You better believe it's right. One's the husband, one's the wife. They even say it that way. They simply cannot escape the natural use of the woman in this matter. Yeah. They can't do it. As much as they want to, much as they try. Men who are given up to vile affections leave the natural use of the woman when she ceases to be a woman. Men who are simply living after the lust of their hearts find women like that not worth the hassle. That's what I read here in our day that we're living in. It, they're just not worth it. And, and besides, why would you marry a woman when nine out of ten of them will shack with you? Why would you marry them if they'll give you everything without it? Why would you pay a prostitute when it's free on every corner? I know that's ugly. Well, if they can, if they can parade their immorality and their filthiness 
then somebody ought to be able to say something about it plain enough for them to understand and plain enough for everybody to understand. Men that don't have any morals, it doesn't, these are all factors involved. But the bottom line is that it's an unclean spirit behind it all. When all the boundaries between clean and unclean are done away with, anything will do to gratify their lusts. That's why when a people degenerates to this point where we're at now, there's no stopping place. Bestiality and pedophilia always come with the same territory, as well as all other kinds of perversion that darkened and unclean hearts can invent. Men have sought out many inventions and they're still doing it. There's just a lot of things I could say, but I just want to be, I want to hurry up here and I want to be careful. Why is the sin of sodomy being considered differently than other sins now? This is what's important right here. I'd like to know why. That it's singled out as something that's okay. It's dealt with differently than other sins. There's so much pressure to be tolerant and accepting of this sin in our world and almost everyone doesn't even look at it as sin anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I saw an obituary today, young woman. Uh, I did a little investigating because of the names and stuff. Looked to me like that's what it was. That's what it looked like. It had all the earmarks of it and all. But you know what was all over it? God. How what Christians they were. And praising God. And every meme that they put up was about God and him. But there's a different lingo they use when they talk about God. Yeah. He's my way maker. He's my dream something, you know. I mean he's it's it's a difference in the way they speak about God. Because they're not speaking about God in heaven. No, sir. They're speaking about their God, yep. the devil. Yep. That's right. They're not Christians. There is no way you can be a Christian and turn the rest of all of God's order upside down. Concerning male and female, concerning sex, concerning relationships, you can't do that. No. So, it's not a sin anymore. It's an alternative lifestyle that's all about love. It's something that people don't choose for themselves because they're born that way. That's what they say. They're struggling as hard as they can to prove it with science. Baptists ought to appreciate that. Back up their doctrine. Baptists have a hard time arguing with it since they teach the same thing in their doctrine. That's right, sir. I chuckle when I read these independent Baptist preachers that I know on their social media and they're railing on the sodomites for believing that they're born that way. Right. And then they go right straight to the pulpit of the church and tell everybody there they're born that way. That's right. They must see a difference in the sin of sodomy and other sins. Why is it so different than other sins? It's wrong for other people to stand in the way of two people in love. It's not love. 
Sodomy is an abomination to God. Leviticus 20, verse 13. If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman. Now you surely understand what that means, don't you? Both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. That's a penalty for it. That's God speaking. That's God's word. That's God's attitude, feeling, judgment about it. Yes, sir. That's how He sees it. Jude, verse 7, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication. It is fornication. All sexual sin is fornication. And going after strange flesh, that's sodomy, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. God will not put up with it. God will judge you for it. If you die in that sin, you'll go to hell just as sure as you die in drunkenness or in any other sin without repenting of it. It's a most heinous sin before God and it brings great reproach and recompense and judgment on the people who practice it and those who allow it. Those who are accepting of sodomy are hypocrites. Would they be as accepting of murder? Would they have that same attitude toward murder as they do toward sodomy? Why not? Would they be as accepting of stealing? Would they be as accepting of lying? Would they say, well, they can't help it. They're just, that's just the way they were born. That's, that's their choice now. And you shouldn't condemn them for it. You have no right to condemn them for it because that's just the way they are. A murderer? A liar? A thief? Of course they wouldn't. So they're hypocrites who pick and choose for themselves what is sin and what is not. And the reason that they're so accepting of perverted and immoral sex and not of other sins is because there's a different passion and emotion involved. You understand what I'm saying to you? Well, let me just... A little bit. Murder and stealing and lying provoke anger. Somebody murders somebody, it provokes you to anger. Stealing, somebody steals your stuff, you go home at night and somebody broke in your house, you're going to be mad. And you're going to be hunting them like a dog. Who did it? They're going to pay for this. Well, you don't have, people don't have much compassion on a thief, do they? (laughs) Or a murderer. Or a liar. So, they provoke anger and a desire for justice, especially if the crime has touched you or yours. Like, The devil said to the Lord, let me touch his flesh and he'll curse you to your face. If the sin of another touches your life and costs you, then you're going to have a different attitude about it. Yeah. And everybody thinks sodomy doesn't do that. Oh, it does. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what about the plains, the cities of the plains that God turned into ashes? Yes, Sure did. Those, the sin of those people cost everybody their lives. Yes. This, this was the sin of the people of the land of Canaan where, when God sent them into the land. That's why God said kill them all. There's no saving it. 
that sin. Because that was the sin that God drowned the whole world. That was the end of the line. When the whole world became that way, like it is now. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of coming Son of Man. Boy, that's just what they were doing. It went down this same road till it got to this point. So, but it, people don't see that reality. Let me tell you why people are more uh, compassionate. They're more patient. They're more long-suffering about sexual sin because it's the secret desire of every unclean and ungodly person. That's why they're so tolerant of it. That's why a church will forgive a fornicating pastor and take him back and raise his wages. They're all a bunch of fornicators and adulterers. That's why. That's why they're so sympathetic and tolerant toward adultery and fornication and now sodomy. To the unclean person whose mind operates in vain imaginations, sex equals love in this culture of ungodly people in this untoward generation. Sex equals love. They talk about it the same way. They use the words interchangeably like they're synonyms or something. And they're not. So now... People do not associate sexual immorality with transgression or crime or sin. But they, they, they associate sexual immorality with love. That's why they have baby showers for unwed mothers in the church. Mm-hmm. That's why they celebrate it. It's one thing to help the girl and show compassion to her but to celebrate it? Where's, what's happened here? You got, a, you got the same mind as the sodomites. When a person... Well, those... I don't want to skip something here because I was real careful about writing all this down. So those who still call any kind of sex a sin when it's outside of marriage between a man and a woman are considered haters, while those who accept any kind of perversion are considered loving and compassionate and kind. Now that is a fact. That's the way it's presented. They're loving and compassionate and kind. Good people. We're, people like us, are haters. But they're hypocrites. He that spareth the rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. If they don't care about those sodomites and their souls, or they would tell them the truth. Yes, sir. That's right. They're so selfish and so evil themselves that they won't tell them. And they do not love their souls and they don't care about them. They, that's just a front to fit into an ungodly world. The people who care about them will tell them the truth, just like what I'm doing right now and what I'm fixing to do. When a person can accept sodomy and treat it as anything but one of the vilest transgressions against God, their soul is in the same state as the sodomite himself. I believe that. I've sat and thought about this and studied about it and it is the truth. Amen. For you to accept it. Be okay with it. I'm talking about, well, I'm okay with it. I mean, they're just different. You know, everybody's different. 
Everybody's got a right to do what they want. Yeah. Can't Would you do that about murder? If they were a murderer? If they were going around town murdering? If they were beating up kids and killing babies and old people? Would you say, well, that's just the way they are. I can't, you know. They got a right. Nobody got a right. See, you're a hypocrite. Sin is sin. And this is the vilest sin. God gave the same penalty for this sin as He did for murder. And adultery. It is a sin. And that's what Jesus came to die for. It's what Jesus came to take away. It can be repented of and forgiven. Just as any other sin. But just as any other sin, the guilty must acknowledge his transgression and turn from it and put his trust and faith in Christ and be born again. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11 in verse 23 and 24, He said, and listen to this. This is a verse that just sets me back every time I read it. I just think, whoa, whoa. And thou Capernaum, which art exalted to heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for, in, for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. You see what Jesus said? He said, if they would have repented. If they would have heard what you have heard. They would have repented. And they would have remained to this day. And you hear this and you won't repent. And so they're going to be better off in the judgment than you. The cities that God burned to ashes and killed every one of them. They're going to fare better in the judgment than these people right here that stood and listened to Jesus and said, Yeah! Yeah. What's this generation going to do? How's this generation going to fare in the judgment? What is this sermon going to sound like then? Welcome to Sodom. Prepare for the judgment of God and make sure you believe Him and trust His truth no matter what the world says or does or how it treats you. You young people, I'm sorry for the world that you're being left with. But I'm not sorry for the God that you're being left with and the truth that you've been given. And you can overcome this world. Because whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. No matter what kind of state it's in. You just believe the truth and you stay faithful to God and you don't be deceived and seduced by this ungodly, filthy, unclean world that's full of unclean spirits. Don't listen to them. Guard your heart and guard your mind. Quit listening. Quit looking. Watch who you have for friends and confidants and who you, who you allow to influence your mind and your thinking. Lord, help you. All of us. <laughs> you know, everybody thinks the tribulation and all of that is except for the elect's sake. Days were shortened. Well, I'm telling you what, I think we're in that kind of a time right now. 
even the very elect are in danger of the vileness of this generation. Not preaching hate. I'm preaching real love. If you cared for somebody that's caught up in this sin, you'd believe what I just told you, what the Bible says. And you'd tell them that too. Without, you know, leaving them an out. That's what a sinner, I don't care what kind of sin you're involved in. You, somebody's got to shut all the doors that you, of your hope that you can continue in that and be okay. That's what preaching's all about. That's what the gospel's all about. Yep. Preaching against sin. Well, that's one of the great sins of our day. And it needs to be nailed. Yes. And, and explained right. And the people of God need to have a right attitude. I've been in churches where preachers said, and I've heard them say it, they ought to take them all and put them on an island and drop a nuke on it. That's how we ought to deal with them. Yes, sir. That's, that's real love, ain't it? No, it's not. Don't be unkind to these people. I mean, I told you about it a few weeks ago. We had to deal with one down there in the blood. Well, I wasn't unkind to him. I wouldn't be unkind to him. But I don't, uh, I don't accept their sin. It's wrong. It's abomination before God. I look at him and think, you poor darkened soul. Don't you know there's a God in heaven? Yes. There's life to be lived. And, and they may smile and they may act like they're so happy and they're not happy. The highest suicide rate among all, that's, that's them. Father, bless the message to our hearts, to everybody that listens, I pray. I pray the right understanding would be received from this. And Lord, that it would help us to deal with this great problem in our day, this great danger, danger to our children. And Lord, help us, I pray, danger to the welfare of our whole nation. Lord, help us, I pray, to walk clean and to walk with you. Go with us now and help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.